All right. How are you guys doing today? That's a little bit. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. It's like you started. You had the energy, and then you realized you were tired, and it just tailed off. So if you're new here, did I already say my name? I don't think so. I'm the, my name's Todd. I'm the pastor here, one of them. Um, if you're joining us for the first time or the first time in a while, we are. this is our last one in the series. Those of you that last one in our Sincerely God series. And essentially, we started the series out with a, a letter that was actually based on Psalms. I just took it and made it like God was writing you a letter. But um, it's what God thinks about us. Did you know God has thoughts about you, that he feels a certain way towards you, um, that he's not apathetic, that he's not just eh, um, but he actually has strong feelings for you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, so before that, before we dive into it, I want to ask a question. Now, listen, I get, if you were here a couple weeks ago, AJ tried to guess where I was going. You remember this, those that were here? And it was disastrous. So don't try to guess because I'm tricky. Just answer it as though you're just me and you're talking, okay? How do you guys feel? Someone's like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, thank you. How do you guys feel if someone says, seriously, when someone says, man, you are such a jealous person, how do you feel? I even saw some heads go, mm, already. Susan's like, I ain't no jealous person, right? How, how, do you, how do you feel? If someone says that, is that a compliment or an insult? insult. Typically, insult, okay. How many in this room would consider themselves, you don't, I'm not going to call you out for, if you raise your hand, that's fine, but how many of you would consider yourselves a jealous person? Oh, okay, so... Great. Uh, raise it high again. No one's going to see you. Thanks. All right. Now, great. Now I need two people, preferably one of each gender, who did not raise their hand, who said, I'm not a jealous person. Raise your hand. That would be willing to come up here. If not, I'm just going to call you up. Okay. Sierra. Oh, man, who to sue? Okay. I just got to pick one. Sierra, I said your name first. Guys, you know what? Zeke, I'm calling you up. No, not you, AJ. Just put your hand down. You got your chance. Now, <laughs> Sierra has no shoes on. Welcome to the remnant. Anyway, come on up. <laughs> Stand behind the podium so no one knows. Anyway, uh, I'll go one at a time. So you two both said you're not jealous, right? Yeah. Not jealous. Okay. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to give you a scenario. And don't guess. You saw what happened with AJ. Don't be AJ. All right? In this area. He's great and over there. there. So, Zeke. You're about to get married, right? Give him a hand. That's exciting. All right? Very exciting time. Marriage is coming. Um, so if someone comes up to you and they say, you know what, Zeke, you're not a jealous guy. Thank you. I would like to take your fiance for the next four months. She's going to live with me, uh, and we're just going to have a great time together. Would you be okay? And she says, okay. She says, yeah, that's, I'm going to do that, Zeke. I know you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. She's like, I wouldn't, Zeke. I really wouldn't. Let's say that she did, though. She's like, I'm, I'm going to do that. How would you feel? Angry. Okay. Okay. You're jealous. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that's jealous. You are married. Yes. And uh, to the dashing Jason, not here right now. That's too bad. Um, so same thing. I come up to you go, hey, Sierra, we're, Jason and I are close. I'm like, um, he's not going to be coming home for about six months. He's living with uh, Maria. I try to come up with a different name, right? Da she's my neighbor. Everything's fine. Uh, he says he'll see you in six months. So they're just going to live together. You know, probably just spent time together. Nothing weird. Maybe some cuddling, watching TV. How do you feel about that? Not very happy. Okay, you're jealous. You both fibbed. All right, give him a hand. Thank you, guys. 
And the reason I appreciate them doing that, right? And that could go for anyone. Or, hey, you know what? Even your kids, right? Moms, if, you're, if your kid comes up, and you ain't going to want to admit this, and they're like, hi, I like you a lot, Mom, but I like Billy's mom a lot better, and I love them, and I'm going to go live with them forever. Huh? You, yeah, okay, Jill. She, she would say bye-bye and then ball her eyes at Tim and be like, hey, she's a mess, man. Um, yeah, why? Because that's a jealousy, too. There's a jealousy that comes with that. And my point in bringing this up is, first of all, you are jealous. Now, we don't want to be jealous because we tend to think of jealous the negative sense, right? What are other words that come? If someone's jealous, they are what? The bad. Insecure. There we go. That's the thing. Nobody wants to be insecure, especially guys. I don't care. Whatever. Take her. Zeke was honest, right? So now, cut that plan off. Alex, you can't go live with, with Bob or whatever. Um, but I want to read you guys a verse real quick. Exodus thirty four fourteen. You are never to bow down to another God because Yahweh, who's Yahweh? God. Because Yahweh, being jealous by nature, is a jealous God. Huh. Now, some of you are like, softening. Well, he didn't mean jealous, you know, in the ancient account. No, no. They, God knew what he was saying here. Right? I checked every version because I wanted to see if they tried to soften it. Every version. I think there was one that slight, some weird no one ever uses. But every version that's used, even the message, all of them says jealous. Jealous by nature. Your God is jealous by nature, and he is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of anything he has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Huh. Listen, God is jealous of you. Right? I mean, it's in black and white. God feels jealous for you. He does not make apologies for that. If someone, if God was in the room, which he is, but if God, we could see God's hand, I said, anyone in the room jealous, God would have waved his, waved, both his hands in the air and waved him around. Like, you just don't care, right? He owns that. And there's a sense of pride in that. I, your God, am a jealous God. A consuming fire. He will not share you let me say that again. God will not share you. What about my husband, right? That's okay. Kids, it's all alone. He will not share you. So what does that mean for us? What makes God jealous of you? What makes God jealous and how are we to respond to God's jealousy for us? Well, first of all, I have to contend that, and, I, and I've already kind of implied this, but guys, I think we got it wrong. A husband should be jealous of his wife. A wife should be jealous of their husband. See, the real truth is, most of the time when you say, I'm not that, you don't want to be viewed as insecure. <laughs> I'm still I'm cool. If they don't want me, they're lost, right? And then you go home and cry. That's how it goes. But two, it's a control thing. We feel like that means we're controlling but I think that jealousy can also mean that you value something, that you want to protect it, right? You may even think of your spouse, your spouse may be strong enough to with, you know, yeah, you could go live with Maria, right, for a, a week, 
Okay, I don't like it, but I trust it. But it's not so much about that. It's not that you don't trust them. You want to protect them. Your kid's the same. How do we respond to God's jealousy for us? We're going to have a lot of verses today because I want to paint a picture for you. And I want you guys to, to, I know the temptation is to zone out when there's a lot of scripture, right? Goldfish rule. Clint taught me this. Fun turn was like, hey, social media, I got to keep your attention in five seconds or I'm going to lose you. So I've already lost many of you. But those that are still here, the temptation is when you get a bunch of scriptures to not pay attention. Listen, if nothing else, hear the scripture. All right? Listen to what it says. Deuteronomy 5, 9 through 10. And this is God speaking through Moses. You must not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commands. God's jealousy arises First and foremost, guys, way it shows itself. When, when does God become jealous of us? When we make an idol. You know, in, in our modern times, I'll read, but showing faithful love to the thousand generations through those who love me and keep my commands. God's jealousy arises when we make an idol. When we worship something other than him. Well, I don't do that. That's the danger. In some ways, back in the day when they had, you know, golden cows and, and brass cats and weird animals. Have you ever seen that uh, Office episode where Michael Scott's talking about needing no one like the Office? And he's like, maybe we should make an idol to fight this strange curse. It's really funny. you got to watch it. It reminds me that things were easier then, right? You could say, I'm definitely not doing that. I don't go offer sacrifices to these other gods. Here's the thing in America. In our modern times, I'm telling you it's even worse because it's so insidious. You have the arrogance of an American. You have the arrogance of a modern science person, and you know what idols are, and you don't do that. Yes, yes, you do. What is idols? When we, when we worship something other than him, when we place, ple- listen, when we place pleasing something or someone above pleasing God, it is an idol. He takes it very seriously. It makes him jealous, and his jealousy stirs his anger. Do you know that? You know, when I read verses like Deuteronomy, sometimes I'm hesitant, but you guys need to know how good you have it in Jesus. He says then, do not make another idol, or I will punish you. You want to be away from me? Then I will. He usually says it like this in the Old Testament. It's beautiful. He doesn't punish people. He gives them over to their idols. You want this God. He, it's so cool. God calls these idols so many times. He said, you worship these things that are mute and deaf. They don't hear you. They don't speak to you. They don't answer you. They have no power. But go ahead, follow them and see what happens. You ever know what happens to the Israelites over and over and over again? What happens to you over and over and over again? And me? Some of you are saying right now, oh, I tend to want to talk to you guys. That's why I seem so like fired up, but I should talk to the whole crowd. But some of you in this room say, I don't worship anything. Some of you are telling the truth, and some, if not most of you, are not. See, it's not a matter of whether there are times that we have other idols. He doesn't, again, God doesn't have to say, breathe. We breathe naturally. So if he tells us to do something or not do something, it's because we have a tendency 
to not do that or do that thing. So if he's saying over and over and over, hey, don't make idols, do you think that's stopped because we don't make it in gold forms anymore? Silver? Some of you are sitting next to your idol. Some of you are sitting next to your God. From the Old Testament to the New, God constantly reminds us to put no God before him. I'm going to keep going. Exodus 23. If you don't believe me, listen. Do not have other gods besides me, little g. What if their name's husband? What if their name's wife? Right? Mr. and Mrs. What if their name is your child? That's okay, right? I know the big one in Christianity. The great God of family. I make people mad right now. I'm from the south, I get it. Blood, right, thicker than water, I get it. That's not the way of God. I'll get to that in a minute. Those aren't bad things. They're beautiful things in the right context and in the right place. Fire is great to keep us warm, right? When, when you got it in a fireplace. When it's burning my house down, it's not so good. Has to be in the right place. 1 Corinthians, so that's in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Paul tells us, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit, God, and not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. Ooh, hey, stay with me. Do not be deceived. If he has to tell you to not be deceived, what might he be saying could happen to you? You could be deceived. The moment you start to get to the point, and some of you Christians, I'm one of them. I say it because I get you riled up. We have a tendency to think we've arrived. Man, I am so glad my sanctification process is done. Right? I am just like Jesus. Come on now. That, the fact that you said that proves you're not there yet. We have a tendency to think, oh, that's, that's not me. I can't be deceived. I know everything. Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people. We tend to believe that. Hmm. Sexually immoral? I don't have sex outside. Hmm? Idolaters. Adulterers or anyone practicing homosexuality. Oh, that's weird. Right in the middle of all of these things that I will tell you are bad. Right? Um, Mainstream traditional Christianity, real Christianity, not the modern one that's been diluted. However, in the midst of that, it says idolaters. What happens to idolaters? They will not what? Inherit God's kingdom. Why is that important? Well, Todd, I have Jesus. You're absolutely right. You should be very, very thankful you do. Because were it not for him, if you have been an idolater, you would not inherit the kingdom. That alone, if you were perfect in every way except for that moment, that one time you worshipped something else, money, sex, status, your family, right? But that's good, Todd. In that moment, you've lost the kingdom. But Jesus. 1 John 5, 19 and 20. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Boy, that's something. You can keep going. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so we may know the true one. Oh, I like this. We're, we are in the true one. That is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Oh, I love that. One true God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You need to guard yourself against idols. But Todd, I've arrived. I've been a Christian for 20 years. There's, I don't do that. Why would he say it over and over and over For there has, oh, I jumped ahead. 1 Peter 4.3. 1 
For there has already been enough time. This is, man, this punched me in the face. I could literally just read these and walk off. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do. What's a pagan? In this context, it's those that don't worship the one true God. There has been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on an unrestrained behavior. That's not good. Evil desires. We would all say that's not good. Drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. There it is again. You have already, that's, you are not a pagan anymore. So you should not be doing these things. So we don't talk enough about idolatry. We'll preach on sexual immorality. And we'll, we'll preach on, uh, well, certainly, I, I don't, guess we don't need to preach on orgies. We all know that. Evil desires, carousing, all of those things. But we have a lot of sermons on what's evil. But how many times do you hear about idolatry just in and of itself? Because it's easy. I'm not an idolater. I don't worship things. This is Jesus. These words that I'm about to read you in Matthew 6:24 are so powerful. Now, in the context, he's talking about offering and money. But the first part of this is so powerful. Listen, pay attention to this. Matthew 6:4. 6:24. Thank you guys. No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Oh, that's good. That's not me. You ready? Well, my wife doesn't want us to go to church today. She says that we've got family things, right? Sometimes that's real. But even the fact that your mind's getting mad shows. Well, my husband doesn't like that. He doesn't like when I read the Bible. He doesn't want me to pray with my kids. He doesn't want this. I'm just giving examples. Even good things. And that's what he means by it. He says you can't serve two equally because at some point the two are going to combine, right? The two are going to clash. Who wins? Guys, I, and guys and gals, I hate to tell you, really be honest with yourself. If God asked you to give up, what's the thing that if God asked you to give up, you'd refuse? That's the hint and the clue to where your idol is. And that's part of the human experience, but you have it. And that's what Jesus means here. He's saying, he's not saying that you need to hate your husband and your wife. And we all know that, by the way, if you read the context of all the Bible, Ephesians 5 makes it very clear, right? how much you should love each other. It's a beautiful, it's the closest thing to a picture between Christ and the church. But I use that because that's such a beautiful thing. God still says you can't worship your spouse because then you, there will come a time when you will sacrifice to that God over me. Or goddess. Romans 1, 20, 25. This is really good. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. For his invisible attributes, who's his with a capital H? God, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. Let me give you a paraphrase. Listen, even if you haven't heard him, you know God exists. All you got to do is look in the sky. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Oh, man. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men or women, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. This, I, Therefore... God gave them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. This is, this, is, this, this is a powerful sentence. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. 
Amen. Oh my gosh, some of you are so stuck in worshiping the creation. And you fool yourself because you paint it with Jesus. Actually, more likely, you paint it with Christianity. A good Christian can do this. Says who? We have to compare it to the word of God. From the Old Testament to the New, God constantly reminds us to put no God before him. Little g. To not worship anything above him. To not put anything above our creator. Earlier in this, I mentioned that some of us are not being very honest when I asked you. With yourselves, first of all, you're not being honest with yourselves. You're not being honest with me when you say, ah, you know, do you have an idol? We do worship various other idols And the truth is, most of us in this room have been or are part of a very popular cult called the cult of one, right? The cult of me. See, in the cult of me, in the cult of you, in the cult of one, the one being you, you get to choose your pantheon of gods. You like that word, pantheon? I used to read books, right? That is a very, right, you get to say, ah, I like this one, family, Jesus, I'm into that, husband and wife, beautiful kids, I can do that, success, yes, blessings, good, I don't like sin, right, God, you said that, I don't like that, so I'll just create my own little, my own little cult where I call it Christianity because it has parts, and I can exchange every day and come up to my altar and say, today, it's my spouse, Oh, that didn't work today. My job, money, sex. The specific idol changes. It can be popularity. It can be money, relationships, sex, our job. And here's the thing I mentioned earlier, and I've kind of already, I get so excited. I give you clues ahead of time. Even beautiful things become twisted and grotesque when they are placed in the spot reserved for God. Did you know that? Even beautiful things like marriage. There are, far, there are very few things on this earth as beautiful as marriage when you have two people who love God first and love each other because of that, right? And you see Jesus in them and you see in the way that they team up and, and they work together and they, and they point people to Jesus and they serve and they love. It's beautiful. But man, it can look ugly, right? To me, I'm being honest. You know who they are. They show up to church, but at the end of the day, it's like, God's sort of like the third wheel. Stay out of my relationship, unless you just want to say how good it is. Well, Todd, mine's not good. That doesn't mean you don't worship it. You're just not pleasing your God enough. That's why it consumes your every thought. That's why you're constantly wondering, well, how can I please them? And how can... But the truth is, you ready for this? This is the thing about idolatry. Your sacrifices are selfish because they're only to get. My identity, my worth. It comes. That's why you worship it. Because, listen, relationships are easy, right? If you've ever been in a relationship or you're in one, man, it is a high when they like you. It is awesome, right? I get it. And then what if they don't that day? What if you don't please them? Lord forbid, what if they leave you? Even beautiful things become twisted and grotesque. Want to put it in the spot reserved for God. Things like marriage and children and family, such beautiful, beautiful things. Twisted and ugly because they're in a place that's far too large for them. Worshipped and put above all other things, even God. And our self-worth and identity becomes so wrapped up in them 
that when they don't fulfill the needs that we've come to them with, we become sad, depressed, desperate, and angry. Some of you are very, very angry, and you're angry at God because you think it's him that's not answering your prayers when the truth is you're taking your needs, your desires, and your prayers to a person or a thing. Your worth is tied to something that can't ever be steady enough to give it to you. Some of you, it's your own self-image. Who you, th- who you think you should be viewed as, and that's why you fall apart when someone doesn't. What do you mean you don't see what I'm putting forth? It's heartbreaking. It's so, so common, guys. So what are examples of this, right? Clearly we know, guys, there, this, this verse strikes a little different when you're in maybe India, right? Idols. And then you go, okay, let's start there, right? Maybe we shouldn't worship this God. Or in a different country where that's common, polytheistic. But here it, it still is dangerous. Examples, you know, Relationships. What's it look like to have those as an idol? When it consumes your thought. You know who you are. You're depressed because you're lonely. It's, listen, it's, it's okay to be sad at times because you don't have things. You know when they become an, an idol? When your entire self-worth is wrapped up in it. My life, right? Easy, I've said it before, football was my first one. I got validation. I got re- love, right, from father figures, things I was craving. I, I, I mean, my entire status, everything changed. And it was awesome. And I loved it. I'm not going to tell you it wasn't. I had a great experience. But the moment I couldn't play anymore because, you know, your body fails, things happen. What happened to me? Who was I? That's an easy one. Relationships. I had a girlfriend. You know what I I exchanged football for? This really pretty girl. Because I all of a sudden was like, well, football's cool. But she tells me with her words she gives me little kisses and stuff and says I'm cute. My football coach didn't tell me that. <laughs> right? And when she broke up with me, you know how I knew it was an idol? I actually told God. I've told this story, you know, but I remember the day. It was 20, 21. I sat down. I said, this is the first Christian girl I ever dated, by the way, because I had only been a Christian for a year when I, uh, when I met her. I remember the days that like, God, whatever it takes, get me out of this. And that's why it hurt so bad, because so much was wrapped up in this idol. I have a dear friend. I, you know, I can't tell a story because it's part mine. I was with him the night that he killed himself. I was with him. I dropped him off at home. One hour later, I get the call. One and a half hours later, he shot himself. Why? Because the girl that he was with, the relationship was like this. And, I, and he couldn't take it anymore. She was always displeased with him. He couldn't please her. Nothing he did, right? I got the good job. I, wear, I don't show my tattoos. You know, he, she wanted him to be classier. He, he, he cuts his long hair. He does everything, but it was never enough. And so what does he do? Well, there's no point if my goddess won't, if she's not pleased, I have no worth. I have no life. He killed himself. I, had a, I remember this guy in high school, you know, he, it wasn't relationships. I can see what it, he, it was school for him. It was his status, his, his intelligence. You know, school was it. Senior year, maybe you know someone. This is a common story. Very smart guy. He got a B, B plus in gym class. It stopped him from being valedictorian. This guy ended up going to MIT. Like he's, but I, he went crazy. 
literally went crazy. Couldn't celebrate the fact that he was getting all these offers because he was so enraged that he didn't have that 4.0. Ruined his entire senior year. I'm, I, when I think of him, and we met after, but in high school, I remember. That's all I remember about him. Good guy. But I would tell him that, and I think he would know that now. How about work? Work, your job status. Climb that corporate ladder. What happens when you get to the top? And you find out that those needs still aren't being met. Right? For me, not everybody does that. I had a tendency, to, guys, listen, I'll use myself because you get mad if I use you. And I worked in a bank. I walked in. I said, I'm going to be a manager within six months. I was a manager within six months. Killed it. You know, but no big deal, just bragging. Anyway, what happened? Miserable. Like, I hate this. Why did I even do this? One of my idols was trying to prove people wrong. Right? Family, that's the big one. I've already talked about it. Some of you in this room, we worship your family. Mm, Todd, I'm so mad at you. Snap finger, close eyes, roll your eyes. You think I can't see you? I can. That's your God. Get mad all you want. And it's not between me. I don't get mad at it because whatever. You know, I'm just here to tell you the truth. But that's why you're so desperate and you're running around and you're doing everything you can to claw it and hold it and keep it. And, ah, and you're just trying to, and guess what? It's funny. The more you hold on and claw onto them, the more they want to run away, isn't it? You ever notice that? Because they're not your God. They can't be. You can love them. That's beautiful. But they can't give you what you're looking for. If they're your only source of love and validation, they're flawed just like you are. Right? It becomes a selfish thing when you make your family an idol. You stop worrying so much about whether you're loving them and start noticing all the ways they're not loving you, and you get mad because you, don't they see what I do for them? Ooh. Doesn't that sound like a prayer? Doesn't God hear how many times I've asked him for this? Don't they see how many, what I do for them? I've given them sacrifices. Where are my blessings? Money. How much is enough? I could tell you tons of stories about that, right? We don't have to. We know them. Famous rich people kill themselves. Why do they do it? If I had a million dollars, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Not if that's all you had. I'm not saying it wouldn't help, but sex, I don't need to tell you guys that. That's all. Man, our culture is just inundated with that. I'm smoking with these words today. Some days it comes, some days it doesn't. Some days I can't think of the word the, right? Inundated with sex. It's everywhere. Why is pornography so addicting? What are they getting from it? It's endorphins. Give me something good. Dopamine. And then it's like, well, maybe the next one will make me feel like I'm supposed to feel. You ready? Christianity. I actually changed it. I had religion, Tim, but I changed it because I wanted to get people's attention. Did you know that you can make your religion an idol? I know, confused, aren't you? I'll tell you how. I've done it before. When I forget... When I get so caught up in what I'm doing that I forget who I'm doing it for and why I'm doing it, right? Then I'm not worshiping God anymore. I'm worshiping what I get from that moment. I'm worshiping what I'm supposed to do. I get my validation from what I'm getting done, from what you're getting done. How religious can I be? See, that's the problem with the Pharisees. 
The Pharisee, God never said that the Pharisees, what they were doing was bad, that being holy and acting that was bad. They just kept adding stuff. Why did they keep adding stuff? You ever think of that? You ever, you ever view them as people? Why did they keep adding man-made rules? Well, that's religious, but we've, got to the, we've done what God told us to be good, but how do we separate who's really good? Well, I've got to add something else. I've got to wear a tassel. Okay, we should see whoever wears the longest tassel. Right? Let's see whoever wears the biggest box on our head. That's a true story. Flactory, right? Imagine them walking around like a 10-foot box. No? That's what I view. But in modern Christianity, we do that all the time. We create our cult, paint it with Jesus, and say, oh, I'm a Christian. This has been the theme of this series is, guys, listen, you want to know whether you're following Jesus or whether you're following religion? Do you change... Do you wrap yourself around Jesus or try to wrap Jesus around yourself? You should change. Jesus never does. And the moment you start making excuses for things that are in black and white and you know what they are, sometimes I'll end up, sometimes I have debates with people and they are so sold out for their viewpoint that they start making me argue with them like, yeah, that's a valid point. And then I go, wait a minute, this is so ridiculous. For instance, Offering, I bring it up because it always makes money. People don't like that, right? If I come up to you and say, you got, you're supposed to give something. No, who said that? Jesus don't say that. I give a penny. I'm like, but you're not giving a penny. <laughs> and plus you're missing the point. And by the end of it, I'm debating with them. They don't think they should give. Okay, if you haven't lost some of you. And I say, well, that's clearly biblical. We go into it. And by the end of it, I'm debating them like, well, maybe is it? You know, it's one of those things. We, no, it's in black and white. Go to church. I, can, I now get it. I used to say, man, I was the guy. I was like, why is that pastor always talking about coming to church? That's so stupid. He just wants my money. I don't care. Keep your money, right? As long as you do, don't do that. Give to God. But I don't care. But when it comes to church, man, it is an indicator. It's an indicator of your faith. No, going to church does not save you. That's silly. So I had that part right. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but Christians go to church. Make sense? Well, Todd, um, church for me is when me and my two buddies sit around and drinking beers and smoking cigars. Come on now. That ain't what Paul meant. Yes, I think you can have community in those moments. It's a beautiful thing. Quit lying to yourself. Again, what are you, you're changing God to fit what you want. That sounds great. You know what I think church is? Playing flag football. So I'll see you guys all next week, 6 o'clock. Ladies, don't wear a dress. <laughs> Sue's already going, nope. We're going to play. Hey, that's church. We're playing some flag football. I got hurt. I guess the irony of that since I just got hurt yesterday terribly playing flag football. But see, I would change it. Guys, we all have them. And if this hasn't convicted you in some way, and maybe, listen, some of you, you're not there right now. Praise God. I don't want to say everyone does. But what is your, the one you get tempted by, one you slide back into? One of mine, honestly, you ready, is, is self-reliance. I don't need anyone. I'll, I'll confess that to you. I don't need anyone. I don't need you. You don't like me. I don't like you, right? That's terrible, by the way. But that's me sometimes. I want to prove that I can, I can succeed. I don't need you, right? Because, and guess what? That helped, me, that helped me survive. Sometimes these idols do give you what you need in the short term, but guess what? I'm still lonely when I give into that stuff. Breathing isn't living, you know? Just because I'm surviving in the moment doesn't mean I'm, I'm really living life. So, it'd be cruel to tell you all this, Jess, without telling you how to get out of it. How do, how do you escape the cult of one, right? Breaking free of the cult of one. You like that? 
No? Okay. Thanks, Jack. Breaky free the cult of one. Number one, you need to identify your idol in God. This might be the hardest one. you got to be willing to admit it. Who is your idol or God? I just told you. I confess to you one of mine. Okay? That was stupid because now you're using it, but I did, right? And I have others. Self-reliance. Honestly, family's probably not one for me. Friends, status. It's funny. I don't care about money, but like success. I want to be successful. I want to do, do well at what I'm doing, right? Whatever it is. I want to be the best. That's not wrong, right? I have this sign that says, winning isn't everything, but wanting to is, right? I like that. But sometimes winning does become the most important thing. You need to identify your idol in God. Make sense? Number two, and this will help you do it. Once you've identified it, ask yourself the question, why did I build this idol? Why did I build this idol? What do I get from it? What am I trying to fill? So for instance, right, when I had this girl I told you guys about, this first, this girlfriend, what she gave me in a time when I didn't have anywhere else was stability. My family at the time was kind of falling apart. I was homeless for a while. Some of you have heard that story. She gave me stability. She told me that I was, she gave me identity. You're still good. You know, all those things. But who did God say is supposed to be my stability, my foundation? You know, Jesus said, build on me a firm rock. Because when you build on sand, anything else, when the storms come, it's washed away. Well, when the storms came in my life, my castle that was built on her washed away. Why did I build this? And, and listen, take, I'm going to slow down. This is what I always say to people. Slow down. Stay with me for a second. And as you're writing, actually think to yourself or later, why did I build this idol? What's the real thing I'm looking for? Intimacy. Sex sometimes, right? It gives us that brief, that brief small sense of intimacy. It's not about the moment. It's about connection that we don't have anywhere else. Number three, once you've done that, admit it to yourself and God. How do you admit something to God? You just tell him. It's called prayer, right? A lot of times we talk about God, but we don't talk to God. We need to pray. You need to go to God and say, Lord, I know that I did this. I know that I have a tendency to follow this. I know it's wrong and it's hard for me and my heart is broken and so I keep going to this. Help me. I, I, can, I admit it. No more excuses. I'm about to come down and throw something. Get it. That'd be cool. Not throwing something, but squirting someone with a water gun or something. Get you awake. Yeah. Don't, hey, I've got that, uh, what is that called, Blake? That little gun that's powered by air. <laughs> yes, a Nerf gun, but that's a little... Con- the CO2, that sucker will hit you from back. Tiffany's in trouble. She just goes, mm-hmm. No, never mind. You're right. Admit it to yourself and God. Tell him. After you've done that, as you're talking to God, number four, hand over the need that you identified, right, in number two, and hand it to God. Guys, you need to talk to him. And say, God, right? For me, and and the more entrenched your idol is, the harder it is to let it go. But this isn't pastor talk. When I was praying that day, long ago with this girl, I said, God, it was killing me. It was up and down. I said, whatever it takes, free me from this. Did you know he still answers prayers tangibly? 
right? Sydney, we just talked about it. So I always go back to your story the one day, right? It's not the exact story, but she was praying. God still answers. Ask him to meet that need. God, I am lonely, and I don't have any other way to get it except this. Show me the right way. I feel so torn down. I feel I hate myself, and so I go to these people to make me feel good. I know that's help me know who I really am in you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but do it. Number five, share your struggle with someone. So I've prayed, talked to God. Why is that important? Because they're going to be able to help you when they notice you sliding back into it. I'm not saying you got to tell the whole world like I did. That was silly because now everybody's going to be like, Todd, are you being self-reliant? Yes, I am. I don't need you to tell me. Get it? <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to tell it to everyone, but find that person in your life. And you know what? You ready? Yes, tell your spouse, but tell someone other than your spouse. Because sometimes they're just going to be like, oh, no, honey, you're fine. Because they don't want to put up with it, right? Like, you getting grumpy. So tell someone else. Tell a brother and sister in Christ and say, I have a tendency to be infatuated with money. I know it's wrong. Help me. If you see that in me. That's a scary thing, isn't it? Right? Raise your hand if that scares you a little to ask someone else. Thank you for being honest. That's a scary thing. You know why? Because that's, that's humbling. To open, that's why I said, you know, be selective in who you pick. They got to love you. <laughs> they got to love you. They got to be one to tell you truth. Don't just find someone who tells you truth, right? Because if they can't say it in a loving way, then it's very harsh. Right? And then if it's loving with no truth, then it's like, no, you're fine. Share your struggle with someone. Number six. Now, don't blow this off. Follow Jesus. And what I mean is go to the word of God. How did Jesus handle these things? He was both God and man. Guys, I'm telling you, there's so much to learn, yes, from the Bible, but Jesus' life. What did he do when he had doubts? What did he do when people told him he wasn't who he said he was, which happened all the time? You're a liar. I am the son of God. No, you're not. Some of you would go, yeah, I guess I'm not. World's world's doomed, right? Right? What did he do when everyone turned on him? What did he do when he had no food? What did he do when his social status, because you know at one point he was riding high, right? 5,000 people. What happened when it crashed? What did Jesus do? And then do that. Number seven, and believe God. See, what you're going to find is Jesus always trusted the Father and followed him. And when you read God's word and God gives you direction, for instance, don't follow idols, believe him. You know, the verse that says, hey, do the birds worry about what they're, where they're going to eat or live, you know, and worry and blah, blah, Listen, blah, blah, blah. It's not blah, blah, blah. It's very important. But the point of that verse isn't just about food and clothing. It's about, well, God, there's no one else that will make me feel uh, content. That There's no one else that will make me have good self-esteem. There's no one that's self-esteem. You want to be esteemed by God. Who cares about self, right? All of those things, you've got to trust him because, see, the truth is, if you're honest, some of you, the reason you go to these false gods is you have, like, Jesus holding a, saying, give me your raggedy teddy bear, right? and he's got a big giant one behind him. That's the same. If you don't, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. But the point is exchanging what you think is good for something far better. But the only way you're going to know is to trust him and believe him. Now, most of the lists that I give you guys are sort of like, oh, just reminders. I want you to know these seven, these are steps. If you know right now that you have an idol and it came to your mind, here's your seven steps. I challenge you or encourage you, whichever inspires you more, to do that, to do those seven steps. Hey, and you young folks that think, oh, he's just talking to old people. No, you too, do it. 
because you'll avoid so much. By the way, old people's me too, right? I mean, when you're 16, I'm a decrepit old man. You know, 21 is old like I am. Uh, why did you laugh? <laughs> Seven steps. So she's going to come play some music, and I want you to think about these things as we close up today. Altered time can become that time where you're sort of like, oh, goodness. Right? Some of you think I can't see. Like, I'm so glad we're almost done. When they play the music, it's usually about 10 minutes. Right, Corey? 15, 20, whatever. But it's about you and God. Did you know that God is saying something to you today? To you. Sometimes we have the tendency to go when it doesn't apply to us. We're like, man, I'm here to hear. I know it's for all these other people. I'm No. You're here for a reason. The Bible's good enough for Paul, right? The Bible's good enough uh, for the church in Corinth. For all these people, it's good enough for you and me. Are you a member of the cult of one, the cult of me? Are you able to admit that? And sometimes we go in and out, you know, cult, we get out. It's, human, it's the human experience. And sometimes we get sucked back in and we got to escape again, right? And, we get, and that's okay. Where are you at right now? Maybe you're in one of the stages where you're out. Awesome. I still encourage you to identify the ones that tend to be your, your go-tos. But maybe you're in it. You're like, man, everything's going good in life. I got that family, car, all the things that I dreamed up for my perfect life. I got them and I'm still not happy. Uh, that's a clue that you've got something in the place of God. I'm not telling you it's easy. It is not. It's a constant, and you'll slide in and out, but you have to be willing to admit it. So what's your idol? Your God is jealous for you. He's a consuming fire. I like to think of it that he's going to burn everything to get to you. Because he loves you. You know, that's, that's the crazy thing. He's not jealous because he's controlling. He's jealous because he knows what's good for you and loves you and wants to protect you. Guys, sometimes the idols are, are pretty good false gods. You might be in that stage where you don't even want to admit it because everything's going really well right now. Will you please believe me and believe the Bible that it will not last? You know, I say this all the time. I, I tease Zeke and Alex in premarital counseling, but one of the things that I'm going to ask them is what I ask every couple. Right the week before I say, what's next? Now what, right? Now what? You know why? Because it's so easy in that beautiful moment. You're building up to marriage, right? And you got all these exciting things. But guess what? There's going to come the week after the honeymoon, and that's what I call the now what. If the entire marriage was built around that moment in each other, you end up going, call of one or the call of me doesn't mean those things are bad family's beautiful God wants you to love your family right did you know that that's the other thing God actually says hey someone who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever right that doesn't justify idolatry it just means hey when you the old saying right when you aim for Jesus you get everything else thrown in he's gonna take care of you he's gonna guide you he knows that quit thinking you know better some of you need to be honest that the God you follow and worship most is yourself. Not even relationships or money. It's just you. It's a powerless God. If that's you today, it's, you can do it today. You can repent. Repent's a scary word, but it just means going to God and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Will you help me not do it? 
altar time, this time, that's what this is. This is an altar to God. Let me give you another example. Some of you in this room, I bet, have felt like I'm supposed to go pray, but you talk yourself out of it. Guess who? You're following a different God. Every time you talk yourself out of it, your other God said, don't do that. Right? Social status. I'm going to look goofy. And then you start justifying. That's the creepy thing. Well, I don't have to go in front of people to talk to God. You're right. You don't. But if he told you to, do it. Or get on the knees or pray. Whatever it is, you got to respond. Because what God has for you is so much more than the false idols we build. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give it to the full. Overflowing. Are you willing to believe that today? You're willing to leave the cult of one, the cult of me? That's a lonely cult, right? You ain't even in one of those good cults where you got friends. You're just in a lonely cult, cult of one. That's a failure as a cult. You only got one person in there. Take this time and make it count. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, listen, oh my gosh. Or you, you're, you're a Christian, but you've came and left and walked and left and you keep getting mad every time someone tells you what God says because they're picking on you, right? No, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's picking on you because he wants to bring you home. But some of you aren't Christians, real talk. But you can be today. You can get rid of your idols. God will remove them no matter how entrenched they are. He will free you. He will heal you. He will bring you home. That's a fact. Here's the good news of the gospel. He created everything and made us to rule it in his name and to be in perfect relationship with him. And he met all of our needs and he said, here's one rule, I'm God and you're not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. Well, since I'm telling you about idolatry, you kind of see what happened. Adam and Eve started the cult of one. And we do it every day. We rejected him. And because of that, sin entered the world and we're separated from God. And not only that, but we have wrath waiting to be poured out on us, his justice. But Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth existed. He was a man. He walked this earth, right? But he said he was more than a man. He said he was more than a teacher. He said he was more than a, you know, anyone, the Buddha. He said, I am the son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through me. He draws a line in the sand. He told us how to live, and then he did something incredible. He showed us where God was, how to talk to God, who God was, and then he made a way for us to go home to God. He bridged the gap between us. And on the cross, he took that wrath that was meant for me and you. He died. But after three days, he was raised from the dead. Isn't that crazy? Todd, that sounds nuts. It is, but it happened. It happened. And now, whatever, you have this opportunity to be one with God again, to be in relationship with God. And so here's how you do it. In Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, if you believe he is who he said he was, whatever you do today, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.